This week's episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel, the official travel agency of Crew Weekly. With over 15 years of experience, Teresa and her team will help you book the best Disney vacation you've ever had. Whether you want to go to Walt Disney World or Disneyland, Disney Cruise, Adventures by Disney, and everything in between, Fairy Godmother Travel is the only travel agency that we trust to help make Disney magic. Contact them today at Communicore Weekly at fairygodmothertravel.com. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show, home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And we haven't really talked about this really since we mentioned it at the beginning of the season, but we only have 25 episodes left. Wow. That's it. Jeez. 25 of the final 52. In fact, that's probably the first time we've said final 52 since we said it the first time at the beginning of the season. Ooh, yeah, so we're halfway through, more than halfway through. We're the more final than halfway 52. through. We're we're get, we're almost done, kids. Wow. And then what? Uh, silence. <laughs> silence? Just nothing. <laughs> just every week the podcast feed will update and we'll just be 20 minutes of silence. I'm just hissing. Yes. Well, I mean, that's usually the audience when they're listening, so really not much of a difference between the two. <laughs> So, you know, we still want to know what you guys think. If there's anything you want us to cover, let us know. Because this week's history segment was given to us by a fan. Yeah, a suggestion. So Which is pretty exciting. We, I mean, we still have a couple we want to cover. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we definitely want to hear from you guys. So send us a tweet or email us, communicareweekly at gmail.com. And definitely let us know what you want to hear in the last 25 episodes. It's time for Deep All right, George, I have a question for you. Okay. So what do you think about when I mention the words stagecoach and a paddle wheel steamboat and a suspension bridge and escape tunnels and Black Bart holding up the good guys? Ooh, so I'm thinking like Frontierland at at Disneyland, right? Uh, I mean, kind of, sort of, yes, uh, but also something that may have been inspired by Disneyland. And by ins- inspired, we actually mean completely ripped off. But in, in the nicest way possible, of course. <laughs> okay, so so what we're going to talk about this week is the request we got on Twitter from Cadet at Dizwire, and I wish I knew his real name, about wanting to learn the history of Fort Dells in Wisconsin. Yes, exactly. So okay. uh, over last weekend or the week before, Dizwire tweeted a photo of the sign he found at the Fort Dells site in Wisconsin Dells, and it read... Site of the Fort Dells theme park. Modeled after Frontierland at Disneyland, Fort Dells was built here in 1959, bringing the Disney experience to Dell visitors for 26 years. So there's an obvious obvious interest here for Disney fans. Yeah, so but before we jump into Fort Dells, uh, let's talk a little bit about the area because we're always trying to educate here at Community yes, Weekly. Yes, we are. Always. Okay, so Wisconsin Dells is actually a city located in south-central Wisconsin. 
And yes, I will admit, I was very confused why they named... That'd be like North Carolina City, North Carolina. Yeah, that is bizarre. Or something. Very city. So but anyway, who are we to say? Uh, that's okay. Who Exactly. So the city takes its name from a scenic, glacially formed gorge that's called the Dells of Wisconsin. And the term Dells came from early French explorers from the world Dallas, or Dalles in French, which is roughly translated as rapids or narrows on a river. So that sort of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. sure. So it was originally called Kilbourn City in 1857 and was founded by Byron Kilbourn. So, have you thought about founding Heimbuck City or Heimbuck Town or something like that? Yeah, th- like you just said, it's like naming a town after me in the United States of Heimbuck. Why Why would I do that for you? Hey, hey, I thought we weren't going to talk about the plans for world domination yet. I mean, we only have 25 episodes left, so... I mean, uh, we have to lay the groundwork, I guess. Uh, we're running out of time. So anyway... Okay. Um, Kilbourne City, uh, along with a lot of the south region of Wisconsin, was known primary, primarily for lumber. But due to the scenic nature of the gorge, Kilbourne City became a popular tourist destination. And Leroy Gates started taking people on tours of the Wisconsin Dells in 1856. And all the tours were given in wooden rowboats. So count me out. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, in uh, 1873, the first steamboat was used. And in 1875, H.H. Bennett, H. H. Bennett was a, a landscape photographer, apparently very famous, started making stereoscopic prints of sandstone formations. And as a reminder, a stereoscopic viewer is the device that little Jimmy is viewing in the Roaring Twenties section of the Carousel of Progress. So Bennett's photographs of the area were so popular that Kilbourne City became a major tourist destination for people all over America. And Bennett actually capitalized on the tourist trade by taking souvenir photos of visitors to the area. Uh, and by the later part of the 19th century, motorized boats were being used, and boat tours would continue to be big for the area. So a gentleman named Bob Unger opened a duck boat tour in 1946. And duck boats are amphibious trucks that can go from the land to the water and back again. It's a lot of fun because I was able to do one in Washington, D.C. with Captain Leo. And it's a very unique way to see the, the sights. And there are still duck tours to this day in the, in the Wisconsin Dells area. But in 1931, the city was renamed Wisconsin Dells. And eventually, Wisconsin Dells would be known as the water park capital of the world. But this would also be the downfall of Fort Dells. Oh no, suspense. (laughs) So, on to Fort Dells. The amusement park itself opened in June of 1959. And construction began in the fall of 1958, and work continued through the very cold Wisconsin winter. So, logs from nearby woods and forests were cut down and used for the actual construction. Fort Dells was owned by the local Dells people and WARF, which was the Wisconsin Alumni Research Foundation. Now, WARF, uh, not a Star Trek character, but Mm -hmm. was a world-renowned research organization that was deeded the property. Ben Olson was the general manager and, along with his brother Jack, visited Disneyland to ask about operating a big-time family amusement. So I ran across a brochure that offered some detailed information about the park. And when Fort Dells opened, there were four main areas. Hmm. Adventureland. What? Sounds familiar. Huh? Frontierland. Hey, now. Hmm. Yep. Indian Isle. Hmm. 
and the children's farm. They're growing and kids. Exactly. That's what I thought at first, but then the apostrophe is S, not a plural S. So oh, okay. So they own the farm. So they no, own the farm, got it, I got guess. It. Yeah. Okay. Language, please. So, yeah, so, so, so let's take a moment and look at each area. Of course, starting in Adventureland. The first attraction is the, <clears throat> you're hearing this correctly, the Dells Fargo stagecoach. <laughs> Not the Wells Fargo, but the Dells Fargo stagecoach. Quite clever. Um, and the quote from the brochure was, Ride the real Dells Fargo stagecoach through the woods and across streams in the same bouncing fashion that brought the early travelers west. End quote. So next is the Kilbourne Station, and it said, enjoy, enjoy a thrilling ride on the Kilbourne and Western Railroad as it circles Adventure Island, crosses the river on small bridges, and passes through a tunnel. The train is an authentic scaled reproduction of a Western mine train. So the Robert E. Lee was the steam wheeler, and it's quoted, Reflect on the adventures of Mark Twain era while this paddle wheeler glides down the river of adventure past colorful landscapes and scenes of the past. The final attraction in Adventure Island was the old cars, and it said, Take your choice between an authentic scale model 1910 Ford or 1906 Maxwell. Kids and grown-ups alike have a real thrill in store for them as they actually drive these cars on a miniature superhighway that twists and turns and goes through underpasses. Yeah, so I can see a lot of Disneyland here. Me too. Exactly. Okay, so, so moving on to Frontierland, the brochure simply shares the names of the attractions without much explanation, but not much is really needed. So in Frontierland, there was the Calvary Troop Headquarters, the old barracks room, the frontier saloon, the surgeon's room, the gun room, and the escape tunnel. And there were also um, holdups daily. And apparently, each child was given a deputy badge and helped the marshal capture the bandits. So Black Bart would also hold up the Dells Fargo coach four times a day. And after he was captured, Black Bart would be jailed and tried. And obviously the justice system in Frontierland wasn't that good since he kept getting out to do it again. Exactly. So uh, Indianland offered daily Indian dances and children were invited to participate. They also had uh, Sioux teepees, woodland wigwams, and real Indians to talk with. That's not offensive at all. <laughs> and uh, the West Wisconsin Pioneer Museum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the children's farm is the final area that's mentioned. There was a suspension bridge, a water wheel dam, Engine Joe's Cave, I don't know why that's on the farm, um, miniature buildings, an exotic bird exhibit, and this specific collection of animals. Here we go. Burrows, colts, calves, pigs, goats, lambs, turtles, ducks, guinea pigs, chicken, rabbits, and geese. All right then. All right, and there was, in quotes, a contact pen, end quotes, in which children may actually touch and hug the animals. I can't wait to hug that turtle. I've just been waiting all day. <laughs> that or the burrow. One of the two. I love a good bean burrow, right? <laughs> so the brochure also mentions that chuck wagon luncheons, uh, frontier fashion stores, and the trading posts are all available for family fun and adventure. And one of the next major additions was the Totem Tower Ride that was added in 1966. It was 335 feet tall and carried 60 riders. And apparently it was the fourth one built in the United States. Uh, not, not the real S, but 
I mean, the real United States, not the United States of Heimbach. Sorry. Exactly. You know what I mean. Exactly. We all pledge allegiance to the Heimbach? Yeah, I'm down. Okay, that'll work. So I ran across an article from the Chicago Tribune in the mid-1970s that also listed a few other attractions, but I couldn't really find a lot of information. So apparently... There was a haunted house. And the pa- yeah, The paper actually said it was not very scary. Boo! And a gold mine, and the paper again said it's more enjoyable to use it to cool off, since the inside of the mine was 50 degrees. Yeah. And uh, an attraction called Timber Trail, which was described as a Disney-like fantasy ride that has a waterfall that stops right as you go under it. So... Honestly, it was kind of dismaying to not find a lot of information about Fort Dells uh, past the late 1970s. Fort Dells, uh, it did close in 1985, mainly due to competition from water parks in the area. And for the next five years, Fort Dells became Dells Crossroads and barely survived by uh, offering circus acts. And most of the site of the 11-acre theme park was bulldozed in 1997 and is currently a majestic location known as McDonald's. (laughs) So Exactly. The train was relocated to the uh, Timbavati Wildlife Park. Yeah. And, you know, as we mentioned earlier in this segment, Wisconsin Dells is known as the water park capital of the world. Why? Because there are four major water parks and a handful of smaller family entertainment centers, you know, like go karts. uh, There's actually an indoor amusement park, lots of mini golf. And they actually had the very first indoor water park opened at Wisconsin Dells in 1994. So, you know, it sort of looks like Wisconsin Dells is a major regional tourist area uh, like Pigeon Forge and Branson, Missouri, and uh, I guess like Vegas for families, maybe. Okay. Something like that. I guess So we'll Vegas now, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Vegas now, just with apparently not as many water parks. I don't know. All right, then. Exactly. So, But we would love to know if you ever got to experience Fort Dells or you have any great memories of this long-gone amusement park. Give us a call on the Communicore Weekly Hotline at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-GOAT. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. So when an advanced reader's copy of The Amateurs by Sarah Shepard showed up, I wasn't really sure you know, what to expect. Not about I, us, though. No, no, not about us. No, we are the professionals. Oh, okay, sure. Sure. Okay, so I've never read any of the Pretty Little Liar series because obviously I'm not the target audience. But when I read the release information that came with the book and saw that they, uh, they suggested that fans of the podcast Serial would be interested, well, I decided to give it a try. So for those of you that list, don't listen to anything but Communicore Weekly, because I know there are a lot of you, Serial was a podcast that sort of took the world by storm and really brought a lot of attention to the world of podcasting. And the first season of Serial took a very in-depth look at a murder that happened and whether the convicted felon or the convictor uh, was actually responsible for it. The show was extremely engaging and it's still worth checking out. And it sort of felt like it was as good as any binge-worthy you know, show on Netflix or Hulu or anything. So with the book, The Amateurs, Shepard introduces us to a family that's been torn apart by the eldest sister's mysterious disappearance. The case is left unsolved even after the body was found much later. And we meet Seneca, the main character in the book, and she's become with uh, become involved with 
Case Not Closed, also known as CNC, a website where people interested in unsolved murders and disappearances work to try and, and solve the crimes to help out. And Seneca decides to visit the town in which the family lived and meet up with one of her friends from the CNC website. I uh, think, you know, they hope to solve the crime. I was hooked almost immediately and really enjoyed the, the tight pacing of the book and the story work. Uh, Seneca and her friends, uh, Seneca and her friends meet, but things are not always what they seem. And they also run into another member of the website and they bring in a family member to try and help solve this mystery. So you really get a lot of characters that are brought in that are very well developed and you, you kind of like them. Uh, there's a lot of intrigue and a lot of plot development that really uh, leads us down several trails and to several different potential subs suspects. Uh, you know, and there were several moments when I thought I knew uh, who done it, but the book continued to surprise me. It's quite gripping and reminded me of a, you know, like a well-executed crime drama, but but with teens. It was just kind of neat. And I don't mean that in a negative at all. You know, I think the teen and young adult audience is really going to enjoy this book, uh, especially when the book starts to tie up the loose ends, of course, near the end of the book. It's very satisfying, really good page turner, and I think that fans of Serial and Making of a Murderer are really going to enjoy this title. So this week's book is The Amateurs by Sarah Shepard. What we liked, what we didn't like, yays in the booze! 60 Second Review! So for this 60 Second Review, I'm reviewing the Adventures in Babysitting DVD that was just released by Disney. So this is not the cult classic Adventures by Babysitting uh, in babysitting from the 1980s with Elizabeth Shue. Which was it's, amazing. It was amazing. Uh, it's a Disney Channel film inspired by the 1980s movie. And it loosely follows the same plot with, wait for it, this time, two babysitters. What? What? Exactly. So they then have to take their charges to the scary and dangerous city. And, you know, of course, they were told not to go to the big city, and then everything goes terribly wrong, but I think it all worked out in the end. I think so. You sound very unsure of yourself. Yeah, yeah, well, it's because I had to watch the movie. Um, it does star Sabrina Carpenter and Sophia Carson, uh, two teens who accidentally bump into each other and are as different as night and day, or as different as blonde and brunette, because that's <laughs> what you have to do. And, you know, they're both Disney Channel stars, and it shows. And I don't really know if that's a compliment or not, but they're cute, and, yeah, that's all we'll worry about. Okay, so uh, one of the teens that's being watched runs off to this scary city, and the two babysitters and the four or five kids, I couldn't keep up with all of them, have to take off to find them. Bad things happen, which include a ferret, and two guys who weren't able to get a part in any of the Home Alone films. <laughs> Basically. And, of course, there was a tow truck driver, which was, I think, a nod to the earlier film, and a bunch of people at a gala. Yeah. Um, but the low point to me was when the entire troupe is reunited and they stumble into a very oddly clean nightclub. And they actually stumble onto the stage. And the MC won't th let them leave until they rap. <clears throat> yeah, oh. so, you, you know, Jeff and I are super talented, but we'd always break out the kid-and-play rap in a situation like this from House Party, because you had to. But, you know, it was very awkward, and I can't believe there's any way that a young girl like this would be able to pull off a rap like this without a lot of training. 
You know, it wasn't quite as cool as the blue scene with Elizabeth Shue. But I guess they had to update it. Fair. I guess. Who knows? So, obviously, I'm not the target audience. And I did love the 1987 original, which I haven't seen in more than 20 years. So maybe I need to revisit it. But, you know, if you got some tweens and they're really into babysitting or they want a, sh- uh, a film with a little bit of excitement and potential danger and maybe you want to scare them away from the city... I guess this is a good film to watch. Sure. But it wasn't quite for me, and I wasn't quite the audience because I did spend more time checking my phone than watching the film. So yeah, so this week's, or this 60-second review was The Adventures in Babysitting. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. So in Disneyland Paris, they recently, and by recently I mean like a few years ago, but they recently opened the Ratatouille ride. And of course, the ride is extremely popular, with all these wait times exceeding over an hour, blah blah blah, so of course Disney added a fast pass there to help manage your time. However, there is a slight problem with the signage. So usually the signs, you know, that are larger in size, that have one or two things on it, showing you what direction is, you know, what, what is in, to the left or to the right. But unfortunately, this sign specifically for the FastPass kiosk is unfortunately worded. So it reads, Disney FastPass Tickets Toilets. Mm. So, Toilets is on the second line, sure, but when you read it quickly, it seems like Disney is giving out FastPasses to the bathrooms? So, I don't know, maybe this was less of a goat and more of a a fancy bathroom break or something? Uh, You can schedule your bathroom visits 180 days in advance there? Yeah, a bathroom goat or a five-legged break? No? Sure. I guess we could get a new segment. We haven't added a new segment in a while. Uh, Okay, sure. We could, yeah, I guess with the boys to work up a new song for us. Yeah. Or something. Wow, yeah, there's no way I can segue from that whatsoever, except I hope you haven't been holding it too long, waiting to hear who's this week's winner of the... Okay, You're familiar, done. so limit time cadets is. Done. So, okay, okay, not too bad. So, as a reminder, each week we're giving away a prize, and uh, uh, all you have to do to enter and be part of the prize or the contest, because as we mentioned, there's only, what, 25 left? 25 so weeks many. left. Email communicorweekly at gmail.com with your name, address, and birthday. And remember, we really need your name and address. Yes, please. To mail the, the address we need. Full address, not just the street you live on. <laughs> or just the town you live in. Or just the town. Unless the postman really knows you. Maybe. Which could happen. So, But just email that information to communicorweekly at gmail.com. And Jeff, take it away. So this week's winner is winning a fairy godmother travel prize pack. And the winner is... Reggie E. from Gilbert, Arizona. Awesome. Hooray. Yay, that's so exciting. So don't forget you still have a few more months to enter. Yeah, yeah. Drawing. Kind of. At least. You have the January. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly. However you you watch the show or listen to the show, leave us a rating on iTunes or a comment on YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, we would. And uh, speaking of hearing from you, always email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, or anything, really. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicoreweekly. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Adam Agenerding. He's at Jeff Heimbuck. And you can always give us a call on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. And visit the Communa store on our website, communicoreweekly.com, where you can pick up some awesome t-shirts and other cool things. 
and there's still plenty of time to get your official cadet membership card or uh, stickers. Just send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. And you can visit Communicore, well, you can always visit CommunicoreWeekly.com, but you can also visit Patreon.com slash CommunicoreWeekly to see how you, too, can support the greatest online show. For Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show.